Good morning, church family. Or, or should I say, good morning, church family. I, I want you to give yourselves a hand. It, it was really cold this morning. You guys got up early, braved the cold, made it happen. Lord bless you. I'm, I'm not quite uh, ready to get out of our traditional Christmas texts. My bride and I had the opportunity to go to Kansas over the holidays and spent some time with our family. And that was a very, very great time for us. And I was just thinking about Luke chapter 2 and the shepherds found in Luke chapter 2. And God's just been dealing with me on the topic of fear. And so I want you to turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to talk about the story of the shepherds who are greeted by a multitude of heavenly hosts and receive the news of our Lord and Savior Jesus being born. And the title of my sermon today is Much Afraid, and in Luke chapter 2, verse 9, we learn that these individuals were terrified. They were completely afraid. And uh, there's a Christian allegorical book uh, called Hind's Feet in High Places. You might jot that down, or if you review this sermon and listen to it later at some point, uh, you may reference the book. Hind's Feet in High Places is an allegory similar to Paul Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And it tells the story of a young lady whose name is Much Afraid. And like all allegories, everything is significant. Her name is indicative of how she experiences life. She lives in this kind of state of general fear. And it's her goal to to make a quest from the place she currently is, which is the Valley of Humiliation, uh, to the, the coveted and desirable high places, which are the uh, best areas for her to live. And to get from the Valley of Humiliation to the high places, uh, she travels along with her two companions, uh, suffering and sorrow. And so often in life, those seem to be the two companions that are most consistently traveling with us. Suffering and sorrow. And along her journey from the Valley of Humiliation to the most high places, much afraid, the young lady who's the uh, protagonist in our story, learns that she can call on the good shepherd when she is in a situation that's extremely difficult for her. And the good shepherd over time leads her, not trying to spoil the ending, from the Valley of Humiliation to the most high places, despite her sometimes cumbersome traveling companions, sorrow and suffering. And it's that text that represents my title this morning, and I also feel like gives us a clear indication of the shepherd's experience uh, in, in this starry night when they see this multitude of heavenly hosts. These individuals are much afraid... And the moment they're given the good news about the Savior, they also begin a quest. And it's the last Sunday in 2017, and my challenge to you this morning is despite fear, to take up the quest that God is calling you to in 2018. Despite fear, my challenge to you this morning is to take up the quest that God is calling you to 
in 2018. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. I've got this on screen for you this morning. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there with me. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to start reading in verse 8. The Bible says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were, everybody say this with me, they were terrified. These people were very afraid. These were these were uh, uh, some scared guys. And the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom God's favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned from their quest, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 9, that word terrified comes from the same Greek word that we take our English word phobia. And I was looking online the other day, and the most common phobia in the month of January uh, researched online is emetophobia. And I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, E-M-E-T-O-P-H-O-B-I-A, emetophobia, and it's the fear of vomiting. And I thought, man, we're a little bit afraid coming back uh, to Louisiana from Kansas, seeing all these reports of the flu online. So y'all wash y'all's hands and take y'all's vitamins and get plenty of rest and do not be spreading that kind of love because I do feel like I may have a case of emetophobia coming on as we're driving back down uh, from Kansas to Louisiana. And we're telling our kids, kids, wash your hands. If you shake hands with anybody, make sure to wash them. Take plenty of hand sanitizer with you wherever you go. And do not eat until you've washed your hands. There are a lot of things in life that we're afraid of. And at the end of a year and the beginning of a new one, I think considering what the new year brings can sometimes lead us to feeling a sense of fear. And my challenge to you this morning is to learn to fear the Lord more than anything you fear in the world. And if you have a, 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 an authentic encounter with God, it will lead to fear. These shepherds experience the heavenly host and they feel a sense of fear. Uh, in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 6 during the transfiguration... Uh, Peter, James, and John, who are there with the Lord. This is a very powerful spiritual experience with Jesus himself. These guys were terrified. And that sense of terror comes from an authentic experience 
with the Lord. You know, another way of describing that fear, uh, we might use the word respect. And this is the kind of respect we would feel when we meet something or someone that we know is greater than us. For example, uh, I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to go on a mountain climbing trip. And standing at the foot of this mountain, I felt a healthy amount of respect, some anxiety, some awe, some wonder. And and it could be described as fear. Some of you guys know my colleague, uh, Josh Hudnall. And he'll tell you when he first met me, uh, he felt the same kind of sense of fear, uh, respect, kind of a reverence and an awe. And, And so when you meet somebody... That, that you know um, has a certain set of skills or talents or abilities um, that are, are that top tier, it, it feels a little bit, uh, uh, it invokes a little bit of respect or to a certain degree a little bit of fear. And I've got the mic right now and Josh doesn't, so I can say those kinds of things, right? Uh, an encounter with our God leads, should lead us to fear. Let me... Let me give you a couple of scriptures. I've got a couple of these on screen. In Genesis chapter 26 and verse 24, the Lord appears to Isaac. And the Lord says, I am, God, I am the God of your father Abraham. And then he immediately tells him, do not be afraid. Because God knew that when Isaac authentically encountered him and his presence, it would invoke fear. God is awesome. He is incalculably great. He is higher above us as the heavens are high above the earth. And when God's people encounter God, it makes us feel and should make us feel a sense of awesome reverential respect, which is, which is a type of fear. Uh, the Lord goes on to say, I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. How do we know people fear God when they experience God's presence? Because they're told not to fear. Uh, In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5, the prophet Isaiah has a powerful encounter with God. And he says, Woe to me! I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He exclaims in fear. He fears he's ruined. He admits the sinfulness in his life. He accurately assesses who he is in the presence of a mighty and awesome God. And in 2018, a way to become less fearful of what you encounter in the world is to more authentically encounter the God who created that world and learn to fear that God more. The other thing I want to say about the fear of the Lord, just I was inspired by the shepherd's terror, their phobia in the Greek of what they had seen that night. And I thought to myself that an understanding of our sin should move us to fear our forgiver. An understanding of our sin should move us to fear our forgiver. I, I, I was thinking as I was traveling over the holidays that really our sin to me seems incurable and only transferable. Our sin to me seems incurable and only transferable. And the transfer can only happen if the transferee, the person upon whom our sin is being transferred, 
is completely innocent of all sin. That makes the transfer the most unjust, one-sided transaction imaginable. And that, as Tommy was telling us during communion, is the message of the gospel. That God allowed the transfer of our sin onto His perfect child. Think about it on these terms. Imagine a disease that we get on this earth that's incurable. Imagine that disease and imagine you're told that that's your diagnosis. Now imagine you're told that the only way to handle that particular diagnosis is to transfer it on to an innocent child who will never be stricken with that same illness. For an adult to be willing to to take advantage of that transfer seems like the most unjust, heinous crime imaginable. But for a parent to volunteer their own child for that transaction seems beyond even our wildest imaginations. And if our God is willing to surrender His Son for that sake in your life, when you stand before that same God and you're aware of your sin and the cost that sin imputed to our Savior, that should fill us with fear as we stand before the righteous and holy God who sent that perfect, flawless child into the world to be the source of that transfer for us. And I am so grateful and thankful to be in a church that is grace-centered because I believe the gospel is grace-centered. But we serve a God who paid a price that we can never repay. And we should be afraid of making light of the sacrifice and the price God was willing to forego so that He could experience relationship with us as His children. Scripture talks about this in in terms of a scapegoat. And let me give you this reference. And I do want you to write this down. This is from Leviticus 16... In verse 21. So the the Levitical priest would be brought a flawless, spotless lamb. And in Leviticus 16.21, he would lay both of his hands on this live goat and confess over it all of the wickedness and the rebellion of the Israelites. Listen to this. All of their sins. Not just some or most, but every single one. And, and based on Levitical priesthood thinking, those sins literally traveled from the priest down his arms onto the goat and were put literally on the goat's head. This made the goat unclean, and the priest then had to send the goat away in the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task. The goat would carry on itself all the sins to a remote place, and the man would release it then at that time into the wilderness. That's where we this this description is where we get our idea of the term scapegoat. And this is the role that the Lord Jesus Christ serves in our life. He removes the incurable illness of our sin from our lives and transfers it on to his perfect son, our savior Jesus Christ. That's a God we should fear. I also believe that the more fear we feel of the Lord, 
the more peace we're going to have in the world. And throughout the scripture, we hear lots of examples of this truth. I want to give you three this morning that are real life results experienced in the lives of people who fear the Lord. These scriptures are on the screen. I hope that you'll write them down. And I hope that you'll meditate on them as you go into 2018 and, and, and pursue a greater fear of our God. The first one I want to reference is Psalm chapter Psalm 128 and verse 1. The Bible says this. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. At some point in 2018, uh, Mike and I may preach a sermon on the favor of the Lord. And I believe the favor of our God is a real thing. I think Scripture teaches us that if we will do certain things, God will do certain things. God resists the proud, but if we become humble, He will give us, some of you know this Scripture reference, grace. In Psalm chapter 1, Blessed are those who delight themselves in the Lord, who walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful. But their delight's in the law of the Lord, and in His law... They meditate day and night. If a person's willing to do that, then God's going to do something. He'll make them like a tree planted by rivers of water, which bring forth their fruit in its season. Their leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever they do will prosper. That's God's favor. And in Psalm 128, verse 1, the Bible tells us if we will fear the Lord, we'll experience God's blessing. What does our fear of the Lord compel us to do? It compels us to be obedient. I was talking to somebody about six months ago and they asked me, Trent, why would an individual be obedient to the Lord? What really makes a person obedient? Well, I thought about that since they asked me that question. And as I was prepping for this sermon, I thought, I think a person would obey the Lord for the same reasons my children would obey me. And I think there are two. The first and most important reason I think my children obey me is because they love me. I hope that that's the case. I hope when I ask my kiddos to do something, they think to themselves, you know what? I love this guy who gets words to songs wrong sometimes and sometimes makes mistakes cooking food, cooks the wrong thing or makes it the wrong way. But I love this guy anyway. And I hope that's the first and primary reason my kids choose to obey me. But the second is because they fear me. And I hope that I have been stern enough with my children that when they think of disobeying, that they think, Dad is going to light our tails up if we don't do what he's asking to do. And that is my least favorite thing in parenting, but it's probably one of the most important things that I do as a dad. Because they're going to transfer their love and fear of me Onto the God who is their true heavenly daddy. And they are going to obey him because they love him as I have loved him. And they're going to obey him because they fear him as we should fear him. And it is our love for the Lord and our fear of the Lord that are what compel our obedience to the Lord. You know that you are afraid of the Lord in a very healthful, very appropriate way when you are obedient to the Lord. And if you fear the Lord and are obedient to Him, Psalm 128 verse 1 teaches that you will be blessed. 
Would you like a blessed 2018? Scripture teaches you that if you want a blessed 2018, that you should fear and obey the Lord. Second real life result of those who fear the Lord is compassion. Those who fear the Lord will be shown compassion from the Lord. Psalm 103 and verse 13, the Bible says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I don't know about you, but I'm not a perfect Christian. I don't lead family devotionals every time I should. I don't pray as often as I should. I'm not in the Word as much as I know the Lord would like for me to be. And those are just the things I feel comfortable sharing in front of an audience. And when I think of the ways Trent messes up on a daily basis, I'm reminded that I need the compassion and mercy of the Lord every single day. Psalm 103 teaches us that the Lord will have compassion on us to the extent that we fear and respect Him. The other thing I want to mention in 2018 that I hope you experience is fulfillment. And I don't want to see a show of hands, but for some of the families in this audience this morning, 2017 has been one of the most difficult years on record. And can I just say, as I've prepped this sermon, that I have been praying for greater fulfillment in each of your lives in 2018. I've been praying that the presence of the Lord, that the favor of the Lord, and that God's blessings show up in your life this new year in the most powerful way they've ever shown up. Psalm 145 and verse 19 says this, The Lord fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cry and saves them. In 2017, some of you have been fearful and crying out to God, and it has felt like the Lord has not heard you. And the enemy would like you to believe that that's the truth, and God tells you this morning that that's a lie. As you have feared and desired for the Lord to hear you, He wants you to know this morning that He has heard your cry and He is coming to fulfill those desires. What's your responsibility to have a fulfilling 2018? It's to continue to fear, respect, and thus obey our God. If you'll do that, I promise you these results will be real in your life. The last thing I want to say is this, and then I'm going to close. Sometimes what you need in life is the thing that you fear the most. Sometimes what you need in life is the thing that you most fear. I was talking to my kids last night. Uh, It's probably the second night this week I've tried to lead a family devotional. But last night I did, and I didn't want it to sound like I referenced the devotional I led last night. And make it seem like I'm doing this every night. Because like I just told you, I'm not. But last night I was. And I was talking to him about this sermon. And I asked him, guys, what are some things that you have feared in life? And, and we got to talking and they said, man, riding my bike without training wheels was something I was really afraid of. Um, we talked about how they, they sometimes feared getting in front of their classroom and sharing an answer to a question 
or an assignment that they have done. And those kinds of things in life do compel us to feel a little bit of fear. But just because we're afraid of those things doesn't mean we don't need them. And doesn't mean we're not supposed to move towards them. And what we find, and what my kids who have, who have tried this have found, is that if you try to ride a bike without training wheels often enough, pretty soon you learn how to ride it. And after a while you get so good that it's like walking. You just hop on the bike and ride and you're, and you're long and far removed from the season of your life where you felt afraid of that certain thing. There are some things in your life that God's asking you to move towards that you're a little bit afraid of moving towards. Here are some things that came to my mind as to things we need in 2018 that we may be afraid of. The first one in working with families in 2017 that I feel like I've encountered commonly is a fear of letting go. A fear of letting go. Sometimes in life it gets very easy to hold on to bitterness if someone's hurt us. And that bitterness in some way becomes a shield of protection, shrouding us from further pain and hurt. I believe God's calling us to let go of the bitterness we may feel in our hearts as a result of some pain we've experienced in life. Some of us may be clinging to a secret behavior, some sort of sinfulness in our lives that we just don't want to let go of. And we've battled this all year. And you and I both know that God's calling you to let go of that, but there's some fear involved. Maybe it's a way that you cope. Maybe it's a way you add uh, or enhance uh, certain things in your life. Maybe it's something that you feel makes you better. I promise you it's not. I promise you what you really need in life is to fear the Lord a little bit more and cling a little bit more closely to Him. If you're clinging to some sort of secret behavior or secret sin, my, my belief is that God is calling you to let that go. In some instances this year, and some very recently, we've lost loved ones. And the moving forward process in those situations is sometimes extremely, extremely painful. And I don't know that in some of those cases you ever really move on. You just move ahead. But the Lord is calling you to pursue Him and at least surrender the pain you feel from your loss over to Him. And let His compassion and His mercy and His love help fill the vacuum that those losses led you to experience. Uh, I think some things that people are afraid of in life can be grouped under the category of starting over. Starting over. Uh, Some of us need to start school again to pursue the career of our dreams. Some of us need to start over on another new diet and this time really hold to it. Some of us need to start over on a new exercise plan, making sure to ration and moderate the plan so that we can be successful over the long term. There are some relationships that we need to stop. Maybe you're in a dating relationship And you've wondered, is this supposed to be? Is this person meant to be? And God's calling you to start over in the relationship and pursue Him more. I don't know what area of your life God could be calling you to start over in 
What I do know is that starting over can be very scary. But if you fear the Lord and have a healthy respect for Him, then there is no reason to fear any brand new start you experience on this earth. I think this last one is the one that's most uh, significant to me. And, and I believe a lot of us struggle with the fear of giving it all we've got. And I believe we struggle with giving it all we got because in each of us, I believe, there exists a little bit of a sense of inadequacy. The way the world seems to work is we human beings hold on to our failures more tightly than we hold on to our successes. And over time, we can beat ourselves up over and over and over again as a result of the times in life that we've failed, leading to a general sense of inadequacy. When we feel inadequate, sometimes it's hard to really give it all we got because we feel like all we've got simply is not going to be good enough. And if your best isn't good enough, that's okay, because God's best always is. And if you will fear the Lord and respect Him and obey Him, I promise you in 2018, you will find that God's best is always good enough. So you can give it all you got. Maybe giving it all you got leads to a fear of failure or a tendency to overanalyze or another of the million reasons we just simply don't step out of the boat and pursue Jesus Christ unashamedly and unapologetically. My hope is in 2018 you'll follow the leadership of the shepherds who were terrified with great terror. That's the exact Greek translation. And still they decided to step out of their little shepherding comfort zone and pursue the the Lord of all heaven and earth the angels told them had been born. And I think the journey of the shepherds really should look like our journey in 2018. As we just celebrated the good news of the coming of our Lord Jesus on Christmas. Let's stop what we're doing in life. And let's make finding and experiencing Jesus' presence in our lives every day our most important priority. And if we will demonstrate the fear of the Lord in our lives along those lines, I promise 2018 will be the best year yet. I'm going to close in a prayer. And if you have a need in your life, we want to close this year out by praying for you and encouraging you and fellowshipping with you. I thank you so much for being here and for giving me the opportunity to share the word that the Lord had placed on my heart with you this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. And God, I fear you. And Lord, I hope that for me and my family, we learn to love you more deeply and fear you more greatly in 2018. Lord, that's my prayer for our whole church. Just like these shepherds who had never seen a computer or a movie or a cell phone saw an angel from heaven and were stricken with terror. And then they saw a multitude of heavenly hosts. And these guys, despite fear, pursued the Lord Jesus. And I pray, despite the things that we feel afraid of in our life, we'll pursue Jesus more authentically and more boldly and with more purpose and intentionality. God, I just ask if any here have a need that they would come forward. We want to pray with with your people and encourage them 
as you also encourage them. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' precious name that I pray. Amen. Please stand with me while together we sing.